This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Hey, Westminster Church. It's my honor just to Uh, greet you as you are completing this study in the marriage book and those six gospel commitments to your marriage. Luella and I just uh, celebrated our 52nd anniversary. And in honesty and humility, we said to one another, we agreed that we were celebrating 35 good years of marriage. Uh, I just love that a long-term marriage is itself an argument for the presence and power of the grace of Jesus. Uh, You put a sinner next to a sinner and you don't expect good things to happen, but they happen because of two things. First, God's presence and power and grace is always with us. He is ever faithful. He never forsakes his children. And secondly, he has blessed us with the guidance of his word. And he tells us how to live with one another in love and grace. I like to say it this way. This is, this is a hope for your marriage. God makes his invisible grace visible by sending people of grace to give grace to people who need grace. That's marriage. Uh, and I, all the time people ask me what makes for long-term marriage, and I say two things, two commitments, confession and forgiveness. If you're willing to confess your wrongs and you're living with somebody who's willing to forgive and that goes both ways, there's nothing you can't get through in marriage. So God bless you. I'm excited that you've done this study and may the grace of Jesus be rich in your marriage. Pretty awesome, right? So if you don't know who that is, that is Paul Tripp, who wrote uh, many books, wrote the book on leadership, marriage, parenting. If anybody's ever done the New Morning uh, Mercies, New New Morning Mercies, that's one of his books, many books. What's neat about Paul is he is uh, just a wonderful preacher, but he's also just an amazing biblical counselor. He really, uh, he shepherds well. So so we were in a pastor's meeting one day, and Matt looked at me and went, hey, why don't you re- reach out to Paul Tripp, see if he sends us a video. And I did, and he did. And um, so we're just excited he did that for us. And uh, yeah, we're, we're excited for this week, kind of making it a recommitment week. So how that came about is we did our marriage study in September, and we were trying to do a recommitment night at the end, and it just didn't, things just didn't work out. They didn't line right or whatever. And at the time, we had said, hey, we're going to come back around Valentine's Day and do something. And what we decided to do was a recommitment week. 
So when you leave here today, every couple will get a packet. They'll be handing out packets, and it'll give you something to do each day. Uh, and we're going to talk about that. That's actually what the sermon's going to be on, is what you're going to do each day. Uh, but we're going to look at what does it really mean to recommit or be com- committed to something or commitment, and we'll go from there. So we're just excited for that. So when I say the word commit... What image comes to your mind? Okay, good, Charles, thank you. So one of the things that I think of is, so my father taught me how to drive. um, And I remember one time we were merging on to 695. He took me down to the beltway and said, you know, we're going to teach you how to drive. And I was like, let's go. And we were coming on to the... uh, like on the on-ramp, you know, everybody's going 65 miles an hour, and I'm like, and he's like, you got to go, you got to go, commit, commit, commit. And I remember looking back on that story, I was thinking about this as I was preparing the sermon, I was going, you know, what dad was really saying was, you either got to go forward or you got to stop, but whatever you're going to do, do it, like be all in, do it full force. Um... Yeah, man, I, looking back on that, whew. yeah, first time I ever drove actually took me to Baltimore City. That was interesting. But um, I remember like growing up in Carroll County going, we're going to go down to the city. Okay, let's do this. Um, but commitment, it's, so what's, what's interesting is, you know, there's a biblical look of commitment. So one of the things we see in the Old Testament, we see things like in Psalm 37.5 where it submit, says, commit your ways to the Lord. Now, in the New Testament, it's a little different. The word commit really is not used as many times. Not nearly, but probably one-tenth the amount. We see things like in the New Testament, we see things like um, do not commit adultery. So we see it more as a telling you not to do something, where in the Old Testament, we see it as telling you to do something. But what we do see is, and just because the word commit is not used, does not mean that Jesus is not asking us to do things. So when he says, I want you to love your God and love people, it's, I mean, he could say, I want you to commit to doing this, but he doesn't. He more is giving us a directive, which is similar to the same thing. So what is the difference between a, to be committed, commit to something, a commitment, or a covenant? So that sometimes gets people a little messed up too. So a covenant, take, I'm sure we've got a lot of couples in here that are married, right? We made a covenant with our spouse to each other and before the Lord. That really is like a, we'll call it a legal binding, um, that's the only thing I can think of off the top of my head, is like a legal binding uh, situation. The commitment comes in the idea of I'm going to be committed to carrying out that covenant. The covenant is like a stamp of approval kind of thing where the commitment part is I'm going to commit to do that. Now, I'm sure we could have marriages in here that have been married over 50 years. Michelle and I just celebrated last week our 28th, okay? We have, thank you. She gets the credit, trust me. Would you want to be married to this for 28 years? Um, It's crazy. Um, No, so it's it's interesting. We have had at times 
that idea of kind of what I would say, stop, rethink, recommit kind of thing. Because look, everybody in here, whether you are married or not, we all get into habits sometimes over life that they just, they, I mean, take our phones, folks. Man, when I was growing up, we didn't get on the phone first. Good Lord, now I literally have made a commitment this year. I don't get on my phone until I walk in the door here at church. It's hard. Breaking a habit. Okay, we do that same thing in our marriage. So what I'm going to do today is I want to walk through the six days. You've got a commitment today. Then you've got commitment the rest of the week running into Saturday. And again, you've got a packet. It'll have the scripture, have notes for you, all kinds of stuff. Things for you to do throughout the week. But let me start with this. So we're going to start with your commitment today is where it should be. And that is a recommitment to following Christ individually and also as a married couple. And I'm going to talk about that. So John 15, 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit, so it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produce much fruit because you do nothing without me. Amen to that. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciple. Now let me make it clear. I have preached on that passage 35, 40 minutes. I got three minutes. Because <laughs> we got so many points to hit. But I just, again, that's partially why we've given you a packet to go home with so that you can take time to meditate on these things. But let me make it clear to you. If you want your marriage to be imaging Christ, you have to start with the individuals first. I can't stress it enough. Being a marriage counselor for over 15 years, one of the first things I will ask people is, they start to talk about their marriage. He did this, she did this. I go, everybody stop. Everybody stop. Personally, where's your walk with the Lord? What does that look like first? Because if you want your marriage to image Christ well, you have to be imaging him well on your own. Gary Thomas said in his book, um, Sacred Marriage, he says, maybe your marriage is not meant to make you happy. It's made to make you holy. There is this process through marriage that God in his infinite way makes us more into his image. I mean, when you've got to live with somebody 24-7, you see weaknesses. And mainly, you'll see your own weaknesses. That's how God works through marriage, one of the ways he does that. So let me give you some practical ways. And again, 
This is in your packet, but I'll just I'll hit you with a couple things. So just some practical things to do as a couple. One is read a book together or do a Bible study together, or even just say we're going to walk through, like um, like do Proverbs, like because there's 31 Proverbs, roughly 30, 31 days in a month. You know, you could do Proverbs together. Michelle and I right now are doing New Morning Mercies, Paul Tripp's devotional. And it, sometimes we have opportunity after the kids go to bed or they're doing their thing, we'll talk about it. It's one way, something to do. We push it all the time. I want you all to know right now media, it's free. We, we get it taken care of through WBC. Tons of stuff to do on there as a couple. Tons of stuff. I mean, it's unbelievable how much stuff. Pray together. Serve together. I tell you, you want to image Christ well? Serve with your spouse. What a wonderful way to do it. I mean, it really is just, just a joy. Confess your sins to each other. I have learned one of the greatest things you can do as a parent and as a husband is when you confess your sins, sins and repent. So the other night, we were playing uh, something online, Jackbox or something with the kids. So if you know, my kids are 25, 22, 19, and 16. And I try not, <laughs> I try not to be competitive anymore. Well, it got, it got a little heated. And I literally went, I'm done. And they were like, what? I go, I'm done. And I later had to come back and go, I'm sorry, I acted like a child. Because I did, I acted like a child. But I was really upset. I, I was, I can't, yes. I acted like a child. We'll just leave it at that. But nothing better than to come back and say to the kids, hey, I shouldn't have acted like that. I apologize. And they're like, well, your, your answer was funny. And I go, it was the funniest one, but you just didn't pick it. <laughs> but again, confess your sins and repent to each other. Another thing is to really enjoy creation together. Especially, look, we're getting a nice little taste of what spring could look like, right? It's been beautiful the last couple days. Nothing better than taking a walk with your spouse, just spending time together, seeing the sunset, seeing the sunrise. Michelle's more of a sunset person. I'm more of a sunrise person because I'm up early. But again, you know, enjoy his creation. And just one last thing for you. End your day with praise and thanksgiving. So Michelle and I, generally, most evenings, we'll go to bed together, give each other a kiss, turn the light off, and we will always thank the Lord for what he did in and through us that day. Just thanking him. Thankful heart, folks. Just, again, ways to remain in him as a couple. And again, there are some resources in your packet. You'll see a ton of resources that we got for you. So Monday, tomorrow, recommit to handling each other's differences with grace and mercy. Who here married somebody different than you? It's okay, you can put your hand up. Right? Who here has prayed, Lord, when are you going to change this person? Right? <laughs> you don't have to put your hand up this time. I don't want to hear, I don't need more people coming for marriage counseling this week. <laughs> there is a reason, I'm serious, I say this to my kids all the time. Do we believe that God is fully in control? I believe that. Then if he's fully in control, 
He knew what he did giving you somebody who's different than you. I have learned, honestly, I will give my wife a ton of credit. I am such an extrovert and she is such an introvert. I have learned so much being married to an introvert that being introverted doesn't mean you're wrong. But as an extrovert, that's kind of the way we think. Just like introverts probably think, extrovert, boy, they're wrong. I've just learned so much. And what's, it's helped me in my marriage, but it's also helped me in relating to people. Look at how God is forming me into his image through my wife being different. And I understand, folks, those differences can be really hard sometimes. So how are we to interact? Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on, listen to these words, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That patience one, that's a little tough. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also should forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ to which you are also called in one body rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Grace, given so freely by our Heavenly Father. Grace. What an awesome word. You know, when I was a kid growing up, my parents were new believers. I thought grace was something we said before meals. But as I learned more and more just about God's grace, not something I can earn. It's not by my works. It is something he gives us. Grace is not cheap though, right? Not cheap. Grace. One of the greatest things that we can extend to each other in all our relationships, by the way, work, friends, all of it, but no greater thing to give to each other than in a marriage full of grace. So in your packet, there is a grace test. And on this grace test, I got it from Family Life. I borrowed it from them for you all. It'll have some questions for you to ask. And they're for you. They're not... They're not really for you to ask your spouse. They are for you. I'll throw a couple of, couple of them at you. Do you become frustrated over little things your spouse does? Does your spouse have certain behaviors or quirks that irritate you? Are you tired of trying to change your spouse to no avail? Right? Are you overly critical of your spouse? Do you expect your spouse to read your mind, to code your body language, and meet all your needs? There's a bunch of questions like this. Here's roughly what family life is saying, and they're right on the money. If you're answering yes to a lot of those questions, I will guarantee you, you are probably not extending grace in your, in your home. You're probably not extending it to your wife, and you're probably definitely not extending it to your kids. And most likely, your coworkers could probably tell you, you're probably not real gracious to them either. Something to think about. So 
Grace believes the best about your spouse. Think of how God sees you. You need to see your spouse that way. The differences aren't there to make you angry. They are to make you more into Christ's image. God perfectly dispenses grace because he is gracious by nature, and I understand that we struggle with that. But it doesn't mean that we can't, through the power of the Holy Spirit, be grace dispensers to those that we come in contact with, especially our spouses. So Tuesday, recommit to communicate biblically in all circumstances. I'll tell you this, I think, so 15 plus years, over 200 marriages, I would say that 75 to 80% of the marriages that come to me are struggling with a communication issue. I'm not saying there's not other issues, but generally it's communication issues. So Dr. Egrich, who did Love and Respect, if you all have ever read that series or seen the video, he talks about, and it's, I love it, a little corny, but I, I think it works. He says that men speak through a blue megaphone, we look through blue goggles, and we hear through blue headphones, where girls do the opposite through pink. So when I talk to Michelle on a blue megaphone, sometimes it causes dissonance in her pink headphones. So think about that, just the idea of how I see things sometimes and how she sees things sometimes. How I hear things, how she hears things. I can't tell you how many times where I've said to Michelle, in a loving way, hey, just to make you, the way you said that, it sounded kind of disrespectful. And she's like, I didn't mean it to be disrespectful. How could I have said it differently? It's those moments. She has said to me, hey, sometimes the way you say that, it sounds unloving. And I'm like, well, I don't mean to sound unloving. Communication, such a huge piece. Now, I'm going to give you five quick points, but again, you can check on this when you take your packet. So first, seek first to, be, uh, seek first to understand, not to be understood. One of the greatest things you can do for your spouse, and it's a grace moment, is when your spouse comes in kind of barking and biting. Hey, honey, you don't normally act like that. Tell me what's going on right now. Seek first to understand, not to be understood. Number two, and again, all these are supported by Scripture in your package. Think before you speak. That's not always an easy one, right? Generally, I, you know, my, our uh, internal processors do much better at that. Us external processors, audio processors, tend to be, we immediately come back. Think before you speak. Disagree without quarreling. I know that is hard in this culture. We live in a cancel culture. If I have a different point of view than you, canceled. Okay? And I do think it's, we might be moving out of that, but it's really, really important to disagree without quarreling. It's okay that we have a disagreement. I think the Redskins are a way better football program than the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> I think it's proven we have more titles, right? I mean, it's, it is what it is. But it's okay, we can disagree. You're just wrong. No, it's good. Disagree without quarreling. My team is horrible, by the way. Um, number four, respond gently. Man, have you ever heard this? Dad, why are you yelling at me? You want to hear yelling, I'll yell at you. 
right? What if, again, guys, we have a big, booming voice with a tone that's very different than the ladies? Greatest thing God ever did for me after having two boys, he went, now I'm really going to work on you. I'm going to give you two girls. And I tried to raise Molly and Carly at the beginning like I raised the boys, and Michelle's like, no, 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 it's very different. <laughs> Respond gently. And lastly, rather than criticize, what if we restore, encourage, and edify? One of my favorite verses, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build, build each other up as you are already doing. What if instead of criticizing, all of our words, our tone, our actions were to build you up, to restore you, and to lift you up to where God wants you to be? How much different that is than criticizing. Okay, Wednesday, the big day, folks. Valentine's Day. Hallmark will make $30 trillion. I don't, I don't know how much. So that day for you all is a recommit to loving each other as Christ loves you. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 and 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It, does not boast. it is not boastful. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable. And it does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love's a crazy word, right? If you just want to, just for fun, Google love and see what the world defines as love. But look at what scripture defines as love. Part of that love is an action word. Like, we're called to do these things. I'm called to be patient. Not just with Michelle, with you all. Like, you all should be patient with me. We should be kind to each other. It does not envy, it's not boastful, it's not arrogant. I, the one I think is right on the money is, love is not self-seeking. How can I make Michelle better? How can I help to get her where God wants her to be? Despite what I want to do, how can I love my wife? Just something to think about. Now, here's two quotes for you. Tim Keller said, you don't fall into love, you commit to it. Love is saying, I will be there no matter what. And Matt Chandler, my guy down in Texas, says, Love says, I've seen the ugly parts of you, and I'm staying. Love. It covers so many things. And it's a, such, a, such a beautiful word, too. But, okay. So Thursday, recommit to building a relationship of confession and forgiveness. Paul talked about this in the video he sent us. It's in, uh, I think, the seventh chapter of his book, and after I read it a few times, I really, I think he's right on the money. Because I would say that when it comes to communication, that's number one. Number two is what I see is where people are holding on to bitterness and have not forgiven each other in marriage. And 
not confessing when you have sinned. James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you will be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very thoughtful in its effect. Ephesians 4.32, And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you. Confess your wrongs and repent. Offer forgiveness. So I'm going to probably butcher this quote, but roughly I was taught early on in counseling that when we don't offer forgiveness, we a lot of times do that so we can hurt the other person, but in reality all it does is hurt us. Does that make sense? I'm telling you right now, people, and I mean it, we've, we've all done this, where we've hurt somebody, didn't even realize we've hurt somebody, and that person then holds up a bitterness and it creates, I mean, it just... It's a horrible thing, and it's so unhealthy. So try to create a relationship where I can confess my sin without getting hit over the hammer, hit over the head with a hammer, and that I'm allowing you to take time to process so that you can offer forgiveness. C.S. Lewis says, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And last piece I want to give you, and this is from Brad Hambrick's book on, on uh, forgiveness. He says this, five things forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not pretending I'm not hurt. Forgiveness is not letting someone off the hook. Forgiveness is not making an excuse for somebody. Forgiveness is also not forgetting. And lastly, forgiveness is not necessarily trust or recon reconciliation. And then my last quote for you, and the reason I'm giving it to you, as I was driving in this morning, this is a quote that popped up on my feed. And for those of you that don't know, so Tim Keller passed away, but his son oversees his page, so he still will send out his dad's quote. Well, this is the quote I got. The more you rejoice in your own forgiveness, the quicker you will be to forgive others. When you can really grasp the low-down, dirty sinner you are and that God has forgiven you, it helps you to be somebody that can forgive others. So your last two days, Friday, recommit to dating and setting aside time for each other. Ephesians 5, through 33. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water. My pages got mixed up. Bear with me here. That's why I number them. There we go. Sorry about that. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own body. He loves his wife. Uh, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it just as Christ does the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. 
This mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. To sum it up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself and the wife to respect her husband. Okay. So I'm going to give you, I don't quote myself often, but this is my favorite quote that I ever came up with. I have yet to counsel a, a couple that is dating on a regular basis. 200 plus marriages. What I'm saying is, if you will be intentional spending time together and dating, there's a good chance you will never have to come into my office. Now, I'm not talking a one-off here and there, but generally speaking, people that are dating and being intentional with their time with each other, it will, it will help in the process of being married. I know, I've got people in here, younger couples, young kids, I get it. I really do. I always tell the story, Michelle and I had not been on a date for a while, and I bought a pizza, gave it to Will, who's my oldest, told him to take all the kids down to the basement. They watched, I don't know, Mary Poppins, I don't know, they watched some movie, and I said, nobody is coming upstairs till eight o'clock, and if you do, the hammer's coming down. So you had to be, we had to be creative at times. Dating and being intentional, so very important. And this is why I can't stress it enough. Your marriage and the relationship with your, mar with your spouse, other than Christ, is the foundation of your family. If you want a family that thrives, it starts with you and your spouse. Maybe not a hill I'm on, but I know it's very, very, very important. Okay, now your last commitment. On Saturday, recommit to not giving up on each other in your marriage. Let me give you a couple verses. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. That's Psalm 55, 22. And then Psalm 37, 5. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. And then Psalm 31, 24. Be strong and let your heart be courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. In a room this size, there's probably a handful of marriages here that you might literally be thinking, I'm done. It's a good chance. Here's what I tell every marriage that comes into my office, I say this, whether it's the first, it's normally the first session. I say, and I'm gonna ask you all the same question. Do you all believe that God raised his son from the dead and is sitting at the right hand of the father? Do you believe that? then folks, he can fix your marriage. Because if he can raise Christ from the dead, I'm looking at it this way in my own, he can fix my little teeny little marriage between Michelle and I. He can. That's who he is. He is a God. He created marriage. He puts you with the person that he wants you to be with. Now he's asking you to rely on him and commit your ways to him and commit your ways to your spouse. Don't give up on your marriage. It may be tough right now, I get it. Reach out, you don't have to reach out to me. There's plenty of wonderful couples in this church that can help you, okay? Hang on. Now, let me give you a last quote here from an author unknown 
Getting married is easy. Staying married is difficult. Staying happily married for a lifetime would be considered among the fine arts. So let me give you these last things to think about as we finish up. I believe one of the greatest things that God designed is marriage. I absolutely believe that. He designed it for procreation. He designed it for us as he molds us into his image. And he designed it for his glory. Very, very important to remember. He designed it for his glory, not for your happiness. Our marriages must look different than the marriages outside this building. Our marriages are to image him well. Our marriages should be an avenue to draw unbelievers in. And our marriages should be kingdom focused. I'm asking you, the pastors are asking you, we're asking you to take time this week, each day, to recommit yourself and your marriage to being, uh, for it to being all about it can be for God's glory. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us, Lord. I thank you for marriage. I thank you for Michelle. I thank you for the marriages in this church, Father. Father, again, Lord, I just lift up all the marriages here, Father, because I believe the foundation starts with you, but it moves to our marriages. And if our marriages are falling apart, Father, if we're not being intentional, if we're not committed to each other, if we're not loving each other properly, our families will fall apart. Father, I ask for the strength that only you can provide to help those that maybe are walking in here thinking they just can't do this anymore, Father. Father, I ask for your help in their marriages. I ask for your strength. And Father, I know that you will continue to give love and care and compassion to all of us. And we thank you for that, Father. Father, we thank you for what your son did on the cross for us. It is the perfect picture of what love is all about. We thank you, Father, in your holy name. Amen. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.